You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings, and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Maybe she's real. Maybe she's an AI robot. No one will know. (laughs) But Lauren is on the podcast today. Welcome, Lauren. Hi. I don't think I'm a robot, but some days I'm not sure. I feel like I'm getting pretty close to these bots and I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe we're all robots. Maybe this whole like work remote thing has turned us all into deep fakes. But you're going to tell us all about that today. For anyone who doesn't know you or know what you do or know what you've been interested in recently, can you tell us who you are, what you do and who you help? I'm Lauren Devane. I am the founder of the Bemuse Studio, and we help bad bitches build bold brands through dope design, smart strategy, and most recently, generative AI. Oh my gosh, you crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. I've been following you for forever. I don't even know when. I think you have such a distinct style and such a wonderful like graphic design sense. You do so much education on your Instagram page, so if people aren't following you there, definitely that's the first thing you should do when you're listening to this episode. But most recently, you've been diving deep into the world of AI, ChatGPT, MidJourney, and we're going to spend a lot of this episode talking about all of those things. But bring us back to when you first heard about using AI or artificial intelligence and what piqued your interest or brought you into that world. I've always been like a pretty early adopter of just tech in general. I think I was, you know, on... Open Diary before there was MySpace and I was on LimeWire before everyone was still at Napster. So I've always been interested in kind of new tech. And I think it was probably late last fall that Dolly, which is OpenAI's text to image generator, I got access through their beta and I played around with it for like a day or two. And it was pretty early on. And so what I was getting was like not great. And I was I don't even know what I was trying to have it create. I just, whatever I typed in, I was like, that's not what I wanted. And then it just kind of like ran away. I was just like, this isn't it for me. Sorry. And I just kind of gave up on it. And then around January of this year was when I kind of dove into Majority and saw just a couple of YouTubes or something. And I was just like, this is so cool. Like, I want to get into it. I want to try and figure it out. And then as soon as I got in, my ADHD of like flipping into one specific thing just took over. And I was like, this is it. This is what I want to be involved in right now. And like, I can generally tell when something's going to take off. And I think we all know that AI is taking off. So it was definitely, you know, I could have not opened that YouTube that day and just never gone down this track. So yeah, it's, I would say it's been about six months. And it is a rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. It sounds like it's a total like Alice in Wonderland classic fall down the rabbit hole. We're just twisting and turning dreamscape craziness for the people that have no idea what we're even talking about. Let's really kind of define what is artificial intelligence? What are these tools? What are their applications? Just so we can lay the base level like glossary of terms before we get into nitty gritty. What are the things that you find yourself explaining to people kind of off the top of the dome? So I think artificial intelligence in general people kind of think of as like this new thing, but it's not really new. It's been around for a while. I think we can look at really in the early like 2000s, we're seeing that businesses like Netflix and Spotify are using it to help curate playlists for us, right? And we've got 
Facebook using it for image recognition, and we've got all these different brands that are starting to use it more. And then we're seeing, you know, Google having their deep mind beat people in chess, like computers are beating people in chess. And so it's like, it's been coming for a minute. And I think we've kind of had it behind the scenes, like Siri and Alexa are very much artificial intelligence. And we see it even just like when we're predictive text. Mm -hmm. And so I think Predictive text in our keyboards is a good example of kind of what like a large language model is and similar to kind of what ChatGPT is and that it's really being trained. This model, GPT in this case, is being trained on tons and tons and tons of information and like words, right? Letters, words, phrases, things like that. And it's learned everything there could be to learn like on the internet, basically, until a certain point, which was like September of 2021 or something. And so it's learned all of this information. And then someone can ask it a question and it takes that input is what it's called. This is on ChatGPT. It takes your input and it takes all of the information that it knows. And then it's able to come back to you and predict the words that it thinks you're looking for based on what your input was. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people have started off and played around with it and they don't totally understand everything that it can do. And so like I did, they kind of just say like, okay, I'm out of here. And there's so much to just like, once you kind of crack the code, then you're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So I know I'm getting like ahead of myself. No, this is great. But I think that's kind of what it is, is it's really this idea of you are controlling it. It is not controlling itself. So I think that's my main thing here. The biggest takeaway is like, don't be afraid of it. It's not alive until someone starts controlling it. Right. I kind of explain the same thing, people who have resistance to it as calculators didn't put accountants out of business. Yeah. So just because you have a better tool to do the job doesn't mean that your job is gone. It just means that you're going to evolve and incorporate the tool. And that's how I feel about most technology. And like you were saying as well, being an early adopter, using new social platforms, using new modalities, podcasting, YouTube, like, you know, Adobe Illustrator, Canva, like there's so many different ways to grow and evolve. And I think if you're the kind of person that's hungry enough to learn and to evolve with the tools, you're going to have a better time than being the person that's sitting on their heels and like digging in and saying like, oh, no, this is coming from my job or this is a threat to me where you know that people are going to embrace it. So I'm always encouraging, especially through this podcast, is like find those things that are curious to you. Do the deep dive. Find the applications. You've done that so brilliantly. So you started first ChatGPT, right? Well, honestly, I kind of started mid-journey first. Okay. And I had like dabbled a little bit with ChatGPT, but I didn't really dive deep into GPT until after uh-huh. I kind of started working on what I was going to do for Basecamp, and, which is my course. And I kind of retrofitted once I got into MidJourney, realizing, oh my God, if you stack ChatGPT's abilities on top of this in order to create your prompts, like it is a, I like to call it this like creative co-pilot, like, mm-hmm. I don't even know what you would call it. Like you pack it on and it's just like extra charge that you are now like, I don't know. It's so crazy what they can do together. It's like, it blows my mind. Yeah. Okay. So explain how someone even accesses MidJourney because I found ChatGPT to be super easy to use like openai.chatgpt.com. You put in your questions, you can start getting answers right away. I mean, for to get help with social media content writing, it's so huge for copywriting in general. 
like it's so huge for the copy aspect because you're like you said you're taking the whole of the history of the internet and everything that's been published online and you're getting access to it all at once just like if you're writing a research paper in college and you have to go to the stacks imagine instead of having to look through every book in the entire library you just got the exact information you were looking for right there at the top right yeah so Midjourney is a little bit more convoluted of getting access to it. At least I found like a little more complicated. So explain how someone can get access to Midjourney. What is the main action that Midjourney does that's different than ChatGPT? Totally. So ChatGPT is a large language model and so is Midjourney. However, ChatGPT is text to text, right? And so Midjourney is text to image. And so what that means is you're inputting what you want to see in an image, and then you're getting back four different images that are essentially what you just asked for. And so what you're doing in Midjourney is you are coming up with the descriptions of the images. And with Midjourney, like you said, the only way to access it right now is through Discord. And so Discord is a chat platform. It's like just kind of like chat rooms. So if you are a child of the 90s or the 80s and you grew up on, you know, AIM and AOL, you might be familiar with chat rooms, but it's basically that. And so in order to create images, you have to join the mid-journey Discord server. And so I think what kind of throws people off about this is that once you kind of join the server and you don't have a mid-journey membership because you're on Discord, but then there's mid-journey. So it's like two separate things. And so there used, and I think this is the other thing that confuses people, is there used to be a free option. And then more recently, when we had the government basically come out and say, hold on, we need to chill out on everyone like going crazy on AI, Midjourney basically said, you know, we're not doing any free trials anymore. If you want to use our product, you have to pay. Mm. And so I think there was a lot of confusion around that because there's like these newbie rooms in the Discord channel that you go into and you basically prompt and you see everyone else's images as you're making your images. And so it's almost like you're at an art show, right? And everyone is just like drawing and you can walk around and like see everyone's work that they're creating right there live. Mm -hmm. And you can even see like what their prompts were, what they put in. So it's all very open. But there's a lot of people that are like, I don't want to like, that's not how I want to create. I want to like have my own space and be able to do my own thing. Right. And so there's a way of being able to create your own servers on Discord and inviting the bot. And so that's something that I teach in the course is like how to do that. Same with my one-on-ones because I'm doing one-on-ones as well to help people understand how to use both these products. But it is a little bit convoluted unless you know what you're doing. But once you're in and you've got your own space and you can have it organized, you're like, I'm ready to go. And I'm going to like create all sorts of images for all of the different things. Yeah, let's talk about some of those use cases, because I think that's where it's most fascinating. And I think when you and I connected last time, we chatted a lot about the way that you're using it as a branding case study tool, which I thought was so stinking smart, specifically with your Nova Mars theme hotel project. You're a big fan of case study projects, of course. I see you're wearing your Good Girls Cannabis Club hat. I love that. Obviously, Kiss My Aesthetic, we've been hosting the Kiss My Portfolio challenges, really to help people create the kind of work that they want to reflect their style to then better attract better clients. Explain case study projects and what they mean to you as a designer and as a creative, how they could be beneficial or advantageous. Yeah, totally. So I'm wearing my Good Girls hat on purpose because I was hoping that you would notice and bring it up. Yeah, of course. 
So before I started Bemused, I was the social media creative manager at Ulta Beauty. And so I was very like plugged into like understanding social and and design. I went to school for design and all that, but I hadn't like started my own business, right? I hadn't like, I didn't have branding clients, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. However, I knew that I needed fake work or something to put up to be able to attract clients. And so I mean, I kind of started doing this in January 2021-ish. And there were started, you know, brief clubs and brief competitions were kind of starting to crop up. And if you guys aren't familiar, I imagine most people listening are familiar, but, you know, the brief competitions where everyone is creating the same brief, similar to what you did with your stuff. And so for me, I felt like, you know what, that's cool. And I think that's a really great tool for a lot of newer designers that are really trying to like, practice their craft and stuff. Totally. But I've been designing for a long time. Yeah, not your first rodeo. And so for me, I thought, well, I want to work with these certain types of industries. I want to work with cannabis brands. I want to work with beverage companies. And so I thought to myself, well, why wouldn't I just create brands in that world, right? And so my first passion project brand for Bemuse, the first thing I ever posted was Good Girls Cannabis Club. And it was just a passion project and people loved it. And that literally from the time I posted that, I've been getting leads once a week. I barely have a website like Instagram. I know you are a TikTok girl. Instagram is like my thing. And like, I know based on running social at Ulta and at Walgreens, like I know the power of being able to promote yourself on social media. And so why I started Basecamp was because now with the power of mid-journey, People can go and create images of literally anything. Mm-hmm. So to your point, one of my case studies was a brand called Nova Muse. And I used ChatGPT to help me come up with the name, come up with like all of the copy for it. And I said, I want to come up with a timeshare on Mars for millennials. And I was able to create the images of the interiors, pictures of the food at the restaurants, I mocked up logos and I was able to really create this really impressive, cool brand that is going to stand out because mm-hmm. no one else has pictures of timeshares on Mars, right? Or he also did the one with Obama and I called it Barry Beats and I made images of him DJing. And so it's like, I just think about how are you going to stand out on Instagram right now? It's not doing the brief competitions because while those are cool and like if you win, yes, you get featured, but to everyone else and clients that are looking for designers, they go and see 800 other designs that look just like yours. They're the same brand and they don't show your creative thinking. Yep. And so the reason I created Basecamp is I want to show designers how they can think outside the box and how they can use these two tools to really elevate their creative thinking, because that is truly what it is. It is a tool that is going to help your creative There's two ways to use it. You can have an idea that you are trying to get to and use it to get there and have it like flow you through. And you're like, okay, I want to do a brand that is this, get me there. Mm -hmm. Or you think I have an idea for a brand, help me. Let me just go on this journey through ChatGPT and MidJourney and see where I end up, right? Mm -hmm. Like half the time I'll create an image and I'll be like, oh my God, I'm going to make a brand about this now because this image is crazy. You know what I mean? And it's just it can start things and it can, it's just such an incredible, like both of them are just such incredible tools. And I think 
when you shift your mind around how you can use it in a different way than maybe just having it write stories for your kids. Like, I feel like that's so many people, everyone I talked to is just like, oh, I had it write a bedtime story for my kid. And it's like, that's cool. But like, have you ever tried to do anything else, literally everything else in your life that you could do? These things can help with. For real. Yeah, I think my light bulb moment with ChatGPT, at least, was getting ready for my team retreat. I knew I had a photographer, videographer booked, and I knew I wanted people to do interviews, and I knew I needed to do a good bulk of the talking. So I basically fed ChatGPT our reviews from our favorite clients ever. And then I said, help me come up with a script for a 10-minute brand video. Ask me one question at a time. Ask me no less than 30 questions. So then it's asking me, who do you want to target? How do you what you want your tone to be? What do you want to communicate? What values? How would you like to, what's the cadence? Do you want long sentences, short sentences? And by the end of it, it spit out a script for me that although I didn't say it verbatim by the time I was in the actual interview portion, I had a really clear structure of like, okay, these are the things that I need to hit because these are the things that clients consistently say they admire about working with us. And it's not things that I would have thought of. It's our organization. It's our timeliness. It's our, what we're bringing to the table. It's less about like, wow, she made a really nice logo. Like that's part of it, of course, but it's more about how they felt taken care of, how they felt served, how they felt like their project was running on track, on time, well-delivered. That if those are the reasons that clients write in their testimonial that they like working with us, then those are the things that I need to highlight more so than look at this logo that I made. Yeah, Because that's actually, at the end of the day, kind of irrelevant to attracting the kind of client who's maybe been burned by designers before or who's been left in the dust. So I think to use it as a brainstorming tool is really smart. And then what you're doing, taking that to the next level, using ChatGPT with MidJourney, which is the image generator to let ChatGPT then help better inform how you're populating images. And one of the things you showed me, you had this incredible matrix of all these incredible art historical categories, artists, timeframes, everything in my art history brain. Like, oh my God, I like died and went to heaven. I was so excited. Tell everyone what that is and why it's so important to understand, like have a good vocabulary around visuals with this stuff. So the idea came from there's a guy on Twitter that I follow. His Twitter is like Nick Floats. I don't think that's his, I think his last name is something different, but he's been posting a lot about like a lot of his mid-journey experimentation. And he came up with this idea to ask ChatGPT to create a matrix for him of all of the different parts, I suppose, of a room in a home. So, well, not necessarily parts, but you're basically having chat or you're having Midjourney create an image for you, right? And so you're telling it you want a wide angle shot and you're telling it that you want morning light and you're telling it that you want bohemian style and you're telling it that you want it to be a living room and you're telling it that you want the focal point to be this. And so you need all of these different pieces to your prompt. And so Basically, his idea was have ChatGPT create a matrix of all of the different parts that you need in your prompt and then tell it to fill it. Mm-hmm. You basically tell each column, I want this, 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 and this, and then fill it with 30 rows of content. And then it just fills it. And so then from there, you can copy and paste and you can have this morning light, wide angle, Ikea kitchen, or you could switch up the rows, copy and paste, and you could have something totally different. And so I took that concept and kind of snowballed on it. And 
because I have my course, I really wanted to give all my students the best resources to be able to really create the best prompts. And so I took the idea of making these charts and I had it come up with a list of all of the different art styles and the descriptions of those and examples of artists that use that. Because once you get in a mid journey, when you're prompting, having those descriptive words and understanding the art style that you're looking for and understanding if you're trying to have it make some cinematic shot and you're trying to recreate Wes Anderson's style, like you want to know what are the things that describe Wes Anderson's style? Like what would I tell ChatGPT? So by giving them this master list of all of these different words and things that they can go to, because I created one for subcultures and I created one for like different film types and camera types, because you can tell it the different film type. You want it to be a Polaroid style. You want it to be a cartoon character. Like literally anything you can imagine, you guys, like Midjourney will create it. And it is just mind blowing. Literally, I even teaching it every time I'm making a new image, I'm blown away. Like, because I'm just shocked at how detailed some of the stuff that comes out or how creative it is. Right. And now with 5.1, which is, you know, there's versions of these models with 5.1, you can give it a really simple prompt and you're going to get something really, really cool, really good looking without much work. Wow. Okay. But when you know how to make it even better, then you're just like opening up floodgates. Yeah. And that's where that design terminology comes into play, right? Because a client is not going to know that. And for anyone that thinks, oh, it's going to take our job, the client is not going to know how to describe what visuals they're looking for that's going to solve their problem. That's why you were hired as the designer. Exactly. That's literally your job is creative problem solving and visual communication. So to limit yourself by saying, oh, I'm not going to do that or I'm not going to lean into this tool. Like how long have we all spent scrolling hours and hours and hours and hours for stock photos? And that's what's crazy. Like, and then you go and you scroll and you're like, damn, I can't even find, I know I really want this picture of a bike with a pink wall. I'm going to Photoshop to add a mural behind or something. And the fact that you can just generate that and you're not having to go find, like we did this actually with the Canva text image tool for one of our client accounts, Peach Grove House. So it's this home residence on a Peach Grove farm in New York. And part of the content that we wanted to create were recipe ideas. So we asked ChatGPT to write a recipe. It was like coffee cake day. We're like, write a recipe for a peach flavored coffee cake because we couldn't find any on the internet. And so it did. And then we went to the text image feature on Canva and we said like, create a peach flavored coffee cake image, food photography image on a white background with a blue cake stand, da, 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 da. And it was like, boop, and it gave us four options. And so we posted it on social. We explicitly said like, this was AI generated, but it goes to show like how many images do you think we've seen that we didn't know were AI generated at this point? And okay, you also said in your course, which is called Basecamp, B-A-I-S, camp, not to be confused with Basecamp. Yeah, it's actually, so it's Bemuse Studio. It's AI inside of Bemuse Studio. Mm Hmm. I can see that. And a base camp is really where everyone comes together before they go on this exploration. Yes. And I really feel like that's what this is because it is such a new technology. Like, I really feel like the people that are embracing it right now are kind of like the forefront explorers of like what this is going to be. Totally. And so it's kind of like that direction, but it's also like 
space themed because it's space space i see the connection and i just feel like space is very it's all there yes it's all there there's all you know i'm a brand girl right i gotta make sure that it's all connected of course but not to be confused with Basecamp, the project management tool correct which i love <laughs> talk about on this podcast all the time so something different but very cool nonetheless you are in the middle of it by the time we're recording you're in the middle of this course and pulling it together you had a lawyer to come on to talk about the legality because I think that's the next big question, right? Like you start generating all these images, you start generating all this content. Yep. What do you have to disclose legally? And what are the implications of using images that are generated that didn't otherwise exist? Yeah, so we had Amber from the boutique lawyer come in and talk. She's one of my clients and she's awesome. And she's using, I'm actually, she was cool enough to let me, you know, come in and use AI to generate images to use on her sales page to cool. her sales page for selling or don't get sued selling. That's not what it's called. Sorry, Amber. It's called landing sales legally. That's what it's called. Nice. But you can hear that a lawyer is telling me, go for it. Use AI, right? So mm-hmm. there is nothing, there are no laws saying that we have to disclose anything currently. So you can go and do all the work you want using AI and you don't owe anyone like anything to tell them that you used AI. However, I recommend telling people you're using AI. Yeah. People are going to start seeing it as a selling point to work with you, right? People want people that understand AI because they don't understand it. I mean, maybe you want to work with people that are not excited about AI, but that's probably counterintuitive because that's the way we're moving. So you definitely, you know, you're good. You are able to use anything commercially that you create using MidJourney. You do not own the copyright Mm. to anything that is created using MidJourney or ChatGPT. But you're able to freely use it commercially. Obviously, I would probably tell your clients, and I think Amber talked to us as well, is about just like disclosing in your contracts that you are using AI. Not You legally are not obligated. Yeah. You don't need, I mean, again, don't take this from me, but you know. Sure, sure, sure. It's more about that you just don't own that copyright. Yeah. No, I think it's really, we're at a really interesting point because imagine being at the forefront of social media, right? Where at first it was like, oh, are you really going to... My parents, this is hilarious. In like 2011, before Facebook business pages, they started a side company where they were running Facebook profiles for businesses as individuals. So they were helping businesses like set up the local florist as like so-and-so florist. And they were helping them do their marketing on Facebook as with a login as a human being, but like predated the business Facebook page, right? So they called it In Your Face. That was what their business was called. (laughs) So corny. Good for them. So I still have one of their books that's like, it's so funny. It's like a relic now. It's like Facebook marketing for dummies. And it's like the very first for dummies book about Facebook marketing. It's quite funny. But all that to say, like, imagine being at the forefront of social media where the people who are not into it for business or like, oh, I would never put my business on the internet like that. Da, 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 da. Imagine how many people, boomers said they didn't want a website. Yeah. Like how behind the times are you now? You know, so if you can lean into these new tools, you can be at the forefront of it. I think there are some concerns with like data accessibility, all these things. For sure. But I listened to a fascinating episode with Armchair Expert podcast where they're talking about the future of medicine. And they said like something outrageous, like 35% of deaths in this country are from medical malpractice. Hmm. And that if we used AI to better diagnose people because we had access to the whole of the internet, 
that people would be taking better course of action and preventative care so that they're not dying. Like that is wild. Like, yes, please, please do that. Because how can we possibly expect one human being to know the whole of medical human history for every single person, for every single system and every single drug interaction? There's no way. So like, let's lean into the tools that give us information. I'm all for it. Now, I will say, and I totally agree with you, but I will say, and I just want to like preface because I think people need to know this, that there are times that these robots, these bots are not going to get it right. Totally. Okay. So it is your responsibility as the user to make sure that what you are taking from that and using is correct, legal, all of these things, right? Sure. Because it can come back and hallucinate. That lawyer just basically used it and it just made up court cases and they were not real court cases and he was presenting it. And everyone was like, what are these court cases? They're not real because he didn't fact check. Uh And these robots will make things up and they're very convincing liars. So you have to be careful about that. However, it is funny because for me, I'm a big proponent of like, it's not just one question that you ask ChatGPT. It's very much a conversation that you're having. So if it doesn't get it right, you literally just correct it as if it's a human. And so just like when it gets something wrong and you're like, that's not right. I will say like, what? Like, why did you say that? And sometimes it'll be like, oh, my bad. Like, sorry, you're right. I was wrong. And other times it'll like tell you it's thinking around like why it thought that. And you're like, that's not right. Interesting. So it is, I just want to like make people aware that like, just because there are, you know, GPT is definitely safer and, you know, they're, I think it's like 70% safer than five or than three was in terms of giving back information that is not going to be like. Dangerous, profane, inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Dangerous. But then it's also, it's good have answers that are going to be more likely to be correct. However, it's not going to always be a hundred. So you really do need to just make sure that what's coming out of there is not just gibberish. You're using it word for word. Uh You do want to make sure that you're putting your own touch on it. And that's something that I teach in Basecamp is really like, I know you were talking about how you get it, you were teaching it and it's all about training it. So you can train it on your brand voice so that, you know, there's a lot of people that say, oh, it gives me shit out of it. Like I ask it for captions and they're garbage. And it's like, well, that's because you're asking for a very generic thing. Yeah. If you tell it everything about your business, the way you speak, the way you type, the way the emojis that you use and who the audience is, it's going to give you back some really good shit that you're only going to really need to tweak a little bit. Of course. Like it's almost as if you have an entire team and you are now the creative director or the copy director and you are just making sure that everyone's work looks good. And it has the, you know, the Bemuse Studio style to it. But I've got a team of copywriters now and they are called GPT. And I'm okay with that. And I'm happy to talk to people about it because we can't do everything. No. We cannot know everything. And there's only so many hours in a day. And as we become entrepreneurs that are having to get involved in more pieces of the pie and doing more things like our time is our most valuable asset. And as someone with ADHD who can barely control her time, I am very much and I, you know, I'm a team of one because of my ADHD that like, I can't even get myself organized enough. I know you're probably going to ask me what's the things you could do better. Organization and delegation is the answer. (laughs) That's all of us though. It is a team of me because it's really difficult. And, you know, my mom is a real estate agent and she's one of the top performing real estate agents 
in our town and has been for 20 years. And she's the same way. She doesn't have a team because she is just, we have the same brain. And to be able to get our own stuff organized and tell someone else what to do, it's like, I can't. So if I can just talk to a robot and have them do it and automate everything, like, right. cool with that. <laughs> well, and anyone on the creative food chain should be leveraging this. I really believe that. Like, And I've talked to a few copywriters who were kind of shitting their pants over like, oh my God, there goes my job. Like, I don't need to write blogs anymore. I don't need to. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Leverage it. Because now you can sell to your you will be better. Literally. And now you can sell to your client in the time that it used to take me to write one blog post for you. I'm going to write five blog posts with the help of ChatGPT. I'm also going to generate 30 social media captions, 10 LinkedIn posts, 15 tweets. I'm going to write all your scripts for your reels and your TikToks that coordinate to those blog posts. And I'm going to make sure that you have an SEO strategy to boot. And I'm going to get all that done in the amount of time that it would have taken me to write one singular blog post. So if you're not using that as a selling point for someone, you are going to get left in the dust. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's going to be like we saw in the pandemic. Adopt it and let people know you're using it. And I know you just said that a copyright, you know, there are copywriters that are nervous about it. Obviously designers are nervous kind of too, but it's like when everyone's getting so hyped up about it, it's like, listen, we've had to deal with Canva people for the last 10 years. Like, I've had to, as a person that taught myself Adobe when I was eight, mm-hmm. has had to relearn how to design in Canva because that's where my clients are. Like that's yep. backwards to me that I now have to change the thing that I use in order to serve my clients, which is half the reason why I'm like, ah, I don't want to do that anymore. But I also, to that point of Canva, like you said, fabulous. their magic eraser and their AI tools are really great too. And so it's like, if you're not familiar with Photoshop, like go in there and do some stuff in Canva. It's not hard and it's good. Oh, and I'm Photoshop and I do not get along. I did not learn Photoshop, but I think like you said, like Canva is nothing but a tool, right? And Adobe is if nothing but a tool. So how you want to leverage the tool is up to you. And I think if it got to the point where Midjourney could generate really great logos, like I'm down, I'm down because oh, it's already, it's getting very close. Totally. So it's like, if you can look at every example, like, but I think that that still doesn't eliminate the person brain that is the curator of the visual information, because all of us are becoming curators, not so much creators. You're not the one sitting down formulating the thing. You're not doing the sketch. You're not creating the logo, but you still have to discern. This is a good idea. This is a bad idea. This is a nice logo. This is a shit logo. Absolutely. This is a good image. This is a bad image. And you have are in the driver's seat. I actually was listening to a podcast this morning. I think it was The Verge maybe. And they were talking about how this guy was like, so much of AI is actually like human driven. Like there are so many people that are literally having to choose like and say like, that's what that is in that picture. Mm -hmm. And so there is, you still like, that's the thing is you can use Midjourney and you can go and make pictures, but you're getting four images every time and then you're having to iterate on them. So you need to have taste. You need to be able to, understand what is the best option for what you're doing. And you need to have like a creative mind. And so mm-hmm. like I was saying earlier about it being like this robot and because Basecamp is like space kind of themed, I've been kind of talking about it almost being like this alien. And it's almost like in Men in Black where you kind of like these aliens can just take up host in someone's body. And it's like, you can really tell this robot to be whoever you want it to be. And so I know this is a little bit corny, but I just watched the movie Air the other night where, you know, I don't know if you watched it, but about the story of Nike and them getting Michael Jordan to come and sign with them. 
And there's a line in it about how a shoe is not a shoe until someone steps into it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? That's exactly how AI is really. Because like this bot is not a bot. It's not anything until someone starts to control it. Right. Right. And so the person that is controlling it is the one that is making it do the work. So everyone that is talking about how AI is coming for our jobs, it's not. You are going to lose your job to someone else that is learning AI and learning how to implement it. So it's up to you to decide if you want to just continue and be like, you know what, I don't want to learn that, Mm -hmm. which it's like, fine, if you don't want to, but you're going to just look kind of like an idiot because this is how the world works. Like, what if you had said, oh, an iPhone, an iPhone? Why would I carry that around? Yeah, exactly. So I know it seems a little harsh, but at the same time, it's like, this is like, if you don't want to be nervous about this, like go and learn it now. And it's not hard. It's the same as learning a new technology. And it's real. like the people that I think are going to be really, really good at it, to be honest with you, are copywriters because it's all about describing and using language. And so I'm going to like very quickly like do a little plug because I know you were talking about Mm -hmm. copywriters, but Amy from Damn Right Copywriting, she's in Australia. She actually just launched a course yesterday. So I don't know if it'll be like still available when this comes live, but it's AI for copywriters. Cool. Learning how to use ChatGPT for copywriters. So I think, you know, any industry, I think we're going to start seeing more and more courses. Mine right now is specifically for brand designers, but I think that I also do one-on-ones where I'll just hop in for an hour into your business and we'll look at all the different things that you could be using ChatGPT to do. Mm-hmm. And people are loving it. It's just like their minds are like blown once they get off the call. And so I just think that there's just so many different ways for people to start using it. And it's just almost like you just have to like pull back a little bit. And you know, that saying of like, you can't see the outside of the bottle from the inside. So it's almost like mm-hmm. you need to pull back and just look at like, oh my God, look at all these ways that I could be doing <laughs> this differently. Yeah. And getting your time back. And what I have to remind people is like, just because the technology is growing, doesn't mean other areas of life aren't also growing. If someone said, you can do your job that would take you eight hours in two. Yeah. Would you not take that opportunity? Like, what would you do with the other six hours? Like, This is the thing is like the two things can grow on parallel tracks, right? So at the time that AI is growing and mid-journey is growing and all these things are growing, can also too more space for having in-person events, yep. for doing real interactions, for having tactile experiences, for traveling, for seeing different cultures, for understanding your client better. Because you're not having to scroll away on the laptop for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, but you're using that as a tool, right? And I think about like, if our kids generation someday, I don't want them going to the library and looking at every book to write a research paper. I want you to be someone that has really discerning, well thought out questions. Yeah. Curiosity is your greatest asset. Asking the right kind of questions and asking the right kind of follow-up questions is going to tell me more about the way that your brain works than reciting qualitative like research, right? Like quantitative research, I guess. So it's about the, what are the questions that are going to drive or the curiosities that are the mishmash that are the beauty of the human brain that we can take two disparate things and put them together with the help of a tool. Like that's what we're here for. Like not, I think you're right. People are getting just in the weeds about it. Totally in the weeds. But I mean, it's to be expected, I guess, you know, like I see people's perspective and I think that's the thing that I want to like make sure that I am like letting people know that like, I get it. I understand the fear and I understand. Yeah, of course. But at the same time, it's like, there's 
just as good of a chance of me like getting hit by a car walking out of my house today as we have of like AI coming and like rising up and like, you know what I mean? So it's like, sure. I just think use it while you can until who knows, maybe the laws are going to change. But it's like, if you can utilize it right now, which you can, everyone can utilize it for free even. I mean, obviously MidJourney costs money. And if you want the pro version of GPT, you need to pay money. But they're like $20 a month for a personal assistant to do a lot of stuff that you would be charging a lot. Access to the entire internet. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth it, I think. Yeah. And just the creative ideas. Like there's one side of like saving time, but like when you look at it as this like creative partner, it's like they're two different things. Totally. Right. And I think the paid membership part from at least my understanding is to make sure that there are enough people employed on that side of it to make sure that these tools run and that they run efficiently and effectively. And that like, it's not the charging for the membership is less of a cash grabby vibe that I get and more of a like, we want to make sure that this is a tool that's responsible for society. Well, mid journey, mid journey is like a team of 10 people. That's wild. Like it's very, very small, but they like host like office hours every week and let you know like what they're working on. So like, cool. Currently, they do have plans to get off of Discord and like try and have their own, but they've like paused on that right now because they're like, we'd rather just like make it so that like the images are better. So we don't know timeline of when we're going to get the next version, but stuff is coming very quickly. So that's the other thing that, you know, for me, it's like, oh my gosh, this stuff's moving so fast that it's like, you got to kind of make sure that you're keeping up to date. And so like finding your sources that you can like start to follow to kind of be your like AI guide of like, yeah. Because every day I find new apps and new tools that I'm just like, oh my God, like this note-taking app that I have for my Zoom calls. Oh my God, it summarizes things and it's, it's so crazy. So, okay. So off the top of your head, like what are your favorite either sources to find information about AI and AI systems or favorite tools that utilize AI in a way that you're really implementing in your day-to-day business life? Yeah. So there's a couple different like products that I really love. So for podcasts, I use Snipped. Okay. And it's S-N-I-P-D. And what I love about it is it's all AI powered. So like I walk my dog all the time and I listen to podcasts while I'm walking my dog and I have ADHD. So it's like, I'll have a thought and then it'll be gone like two seconds later. And I'm like, oh my God, that was such a good idea. And so when I listen to podcasts, it's like, there's so much great content that When I hear something, I'm like, oh, I agree with that. I want to make a carousel like talking about this in my way or whatever. And so with this, you're able to just on your walk, just like tap your headphones and it'll save that portion of the podcast you were listening to. And it'll summarize it all and it'll send you an email at the end of your podcast and say, here's all the points that you wanted to remember from your podcast. You can also have it like transcribe everything and you can join groups around a specific topic. So like I'll follow AI and people will just create snips from different podcasts that they listen to and it'll aggregate them. I need that. So you can just listen to all of like the best things from AI from all of the different podcasts and you can tag it. So it's like, if this was an idea about content, you can go back and click on your content tags and see all of the snips that you saved and everything will be summarized. Like it's wild. So snipped, I'm a big fan of. You're living in the year like 2050 already. I know. You're already living ahead of everybody else because that sounds like a great idea. (laughs) I love that snipped. Okay, what else do you have? Calibri is the other one that I just started using. And that is an app for Zoom, but you can also use it on like other recordings. 
and it records like the pro version. You need to have the pro version. I made the mistake of not getting the pro version and you don't get the summarization. Mm. But this thing, we used it on our call the other day with Amber. She spoke for two hours. It records the entire transcript and then it summarizes the entire thing into like really nice headings about what was talked about. And then you can click into that portion of the summary and it'll start playing the video right where you clicked in. So there's now for courses, like this is amazing for me because now I don't have to go in and cut up. I don't have to sparse things. People can literally go exactly to where they want and it'll start playing. I can literally send a loom or a link to the entire team and they all have access. Like I'm a huge fan of that. And I just started using it, but I went and bought it immediately. And that's called Calibri? That is called Calibri. It's C-O-L-I-B-R-I dot A-I. But they're like not on social. They're like, I think they, I mean, they must be very good. They're not on social at all. Wow. And then what's the other ones that I like? I know you're using like the Photoshop generative fill and AI tools within that. My sister sent me the most hilarious TikTok this morning that said, girlies, this is what you should send him if he goes to do. And this girl took a picture of herself like with her arm out. And then AI generative filled like a baby in her arm and like a hospital bed behind her. And it was like, hey, how have you been? And like sends the picture of the rolling baby. Well, I saw one to the guys that ghosted her. And I'm like, oh, my God. I saw one of a girl that was like, this is how you should respond when someone asks you to move. And she like took a picture of herself and then she like colored and said like hospital bed, like messed up hair, like put a woman behind her and was like, I'm in the hospital. I can't come help you. Can't help. (laughs) And it is crazy to think about like how people, because Canva is so accessible. People are going to be able, like, I just feel like dating sites and stuff are just going to be like such a shit show. And we were talking about this actually yesterday with Amber about how I think eventually there are going to have to do some sort of like watermark, almost like an NFT or something showing live authentication. Yeah. Yeah. That like this was created with AI or it has AI as part of it in some way. You know, Be Real should be really partnering with the dating apps because your Be Real should be synced or there should be something in Hinge, in Bumble, in whatever that shows that you are actually a person, like authenticates it in that way, time stamped. <laughs> Wasn't there an, I'm not on the apps anymore. It's been years. There you go. But I feel like there was one where it like you had to like authenticate or something where it like was like you talked to a person. Yeah, you have to be verified. Some of them where your profile could be verified. But yeah, it does kind of open up a can of worms as far as like impersonations, fake images, like. Yeah, so there's going to be problems. <laughs> and it's funny, haha. There's going to be problems. It's funny, haha, for now, but it may not be funny, haha, for very long. Well, I mean, there's definitely been some examples of stuff that's like, you know, people are like showing images of like explosions at like government buildings and stuff, and like CNN picked it up. And it's, oh, yep. It's like, you know, so there is going to be problems, but I think about it similarly, unfortunately, but like to guns and that like there's always going to be people that are going to misuse guns and, but they're, are people that use them for good and like, or, you know, they just go and use them responsibly and like they're whatever. And like, it's going to, it's the same with anything, right? People are going to like make child porn or like whatever it is that like people are going to do bad things. And so I don't think it should be your responsibility to say, I'm not going to use these tools because like maybe some people are going to use them for bad. Like the internet is used for bad. Like, you know what I mean? So 
I think that's a way to kind of look at that idea of like, if you think that like you're contributing somehow, it's like, that's not really. But all the more reason to better educate yourself in, on what the tools are and what their capabilities are so that you can sniff out when something's fake so that you can look at things with a critical eye and you can have a more discerning that we can look at the cover of a magazine and see Margot Robbie's lack of armpit as a red flag. Like, no, you should have, that's where your arm should, armpit should be. Right. Too long. We've looked at images of supermodels and assumed that that's what they actually look like. So it's not new. Like all of these conundrums are not new. It's just, it's in a new font, I guess you could say like, and that's, what's freaking people out is that it's just, it feels foreign. So educate yourself. Dive in, learn. Speaking of, where can everyone find you, follow you, learn from you, and maybe even take your course? Because I feel like people are going to be interested by the end of this episode. Yeah, for sure. Come and find me and follow me on Instagram. That's basically where I hang out. Yep, that's where you can find me. Uh, Link in bio is where you'll find everything. Slide into the DMs. I love to just hear what you guys are doing and, you know, whatever anyone is working on and things like that. I love to just, I mean... I think I've shifted into this educator role over the last two and a half years of kind of being in the Instagram space. And so I also feel like I'm kind of like the brand mother, the grandmother. I feel like I'm a lot older than everyone in this world. So I like to kind of impart my wisdom on the younger ones. Sure, sure. Because I just, I think, you know, I had a really great mentor and I think there's so many kids and just designers in general that are coming out of school if they're going to school at all. And then they're just jumping right into doing their own thing. And I was able to work at Walgreens and Ulta for 10 years and get experience in all of the different spaces. And so I think it's harder when you don't have a mentor and you're just doing it on your own. You don't know what you don't know until someone shows you. And so that's something that I really like and passionate about is just finding people that really, you know, have the drive and have the creativity to be able to do it, but they just need like a little bit of like guidance. And so that's something that I really like, right. Love to help with. So, you know, definitely reach out and ask questions and let me know how I can help. And that's at Bemused Studio, correct? Oh yeah. Sorry. Yes. At the Bemused Studio. And yeah, I've got Basecamp is live right now. We're doing a two week beta. And then, so by the time this is live, I'll just kind of be going in and figuring out how we can improve and we'll probably likely be relaunching to the wait list. Wow. Nice. Because we've got about 350 people on the wait list already. So if you're interested, sign up for the wait list because I'll probably open specifically to them first and then we'll see how it goes from there. But the other way that you can work with me if you're interested is doing one of my chatbot and chill sessions. And that's specifically you can do an hour-long ChatGPT one where we basically just dive in. I show you the basics of like how to really do really great prompts and how to like train it on your brand voice and how to teach your clients to train it on their brand voice and how we can just figuring out ways of you how you can use it best. And then, you know, the mid-journey version is that plus how you can use mid-journey in your business and teaching you the ropes of that. So love it. Yeah. And then also if you have like a community or anything, I've been doing, I'm speaking in a couple different communities to talk to, you know, doing a package design course with Laura Evans to talk about how package designers can be using it. Norfolk to talk to their web designers and how they can be using it for their templates. So really I can come up with a million ways for all different industries to be using it. So if you are interested in learning about how you can use it, like please hit me up and love to help. 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for teaching us so much about all this stuff. I'm reignited to go down the rabbit hole with you. So I'll see you down there. Good. I can't wait. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time.